Hi, this is David Bank. I'm here with Amit Bori, the CEO of the Global Impact Investing Network. Welcome, Amit. Thank you so much for having me. It's the 10th anniversary of SOCAP, or rather it's the 10th SOCAP this week, and it's the 10-year anniversary of a number of entities in impact investing, and I think, in fact, it's the 10th anniversary of the term itself, and you had something to do with that, didn't you? Yeah, it's such an exciting time, and I think it marks a big turning point for the market. Um, and I think it's always great to take stock of where we've come and where we're going. If you go back to 2007, uh, you know, in October, um, there was a, a convening in Bellagio um, that was hosted by the Rockefeller Foundation. And at that convening, the term impact investing was coined to really describe a practice that was showing up all around the world in different ways. Um, you know, there's people investing in microfinance. Uh, there are community investors in the U.S. Uh, there are people. Uh, working on things like social impact bonds in the early days of um, you know, how to deploy capital to uh, solve social problems uh, in the UK. And what the term impact investing at the time represented was a couple things. I think one was a, a unifying brand uh, to describe an activity that had been happening in many ways for, for many decades in some cases. And it also represented this view of not just looking at a specific sector, but trying to think about if we can change the way people think about in, in, uh, investing broadly um, to incorporate impact as a core part of the investment process and a core part of the investment objectives. Um, and so I think it was a very exciting time. And from that, I ended up becoming involved because the Monitor Institute, which I was a part of at the time, was brought in to think about, could we take all this exciting activity you know, happening all around the world and weave it together? into something that actually represented a you know, true global market uh, that could have a profound impact on the world. Uh, and so we convened another event of uh, you know, pulling together people from around the world in 2008. And from that, um, you know, the plan was to publish a report. But we also found that there was so much energy um, you know, from the people that we'd been interviewing for that report um, that people really wanted to build something that was bigger than their own investment firms. And they saw an opportunity to not just deploy more capital in the way that they were um, you know, doing so, but really to actually change the way that investment was occurring. And it was a big, big ambition, but the gin actually came from that um, because it was decided that we needed some type of an entity to actually carry that vision forward. Um, and that's, you know, the gin was launched um, in 2009, and I was brought on to be the first employee of the organization. Um, now, one big so, thing happened in between. Yeah. Right, uh, which is the financial crisis, and, and I think it's so <laughs> profound to think about. Um, you know, you'll never know what would have happened if we hadn't had a financial crisis. Um, but I think, you know, we were worried at the time that it would just, um, you know, it would actually constrain the growth of the market. You know, because you know, at a basic level, you know, when people are poorer, they tend to be more conservative with their resources. Uh, I know that's simplistic, but that was the thought at the time, and and I actually wonder. Um, if in some cases it opens people, uh, open people's eyes to thinking about things differently. There's always been an argument that it put a different cast on, say, risk in the marketplace and maybe the risks, the riskiness, the so-called riskiness of impact investing actually uh, was maybe less than the riskiness of what we thought of as, as, as unrisky assets at that point. Yeah, and I, I think that's certainly a, a possibility. And we also heard that some people were just, you know, it kind of highlighted this issue that, you know, maybe the way that, you know, what was conventional um, wasn't actually as effective as people thought it was. And so it may have opened people's eyes to thinking about things a bit differently. 
you know, it, it's funny to think back at, you know, to 2007 because, um, you know, just as a quick aside, um, you know, uh, Thomas Friedman in his um, new book, you know, Thank You for Being Late, talked about that year in particular. Because out in your corner of the the world, David, um, in the Bay Area, um, there was a ton of things that happened in technology, um, like you know, Steve Jobs unveiled the iPhone to the world. Um, you know that's when Facebook really opened up and and um, and started to go global. Twitter was split off as an independent platform. Um, I mean, I think there's uh, let's say Airbnb was launched. Uh, you know, Amazon launched the Kindle in 2007. Um, so it was this big year for so many ways um, in in terms of like you know products and goods that really changed the way that people think and changed the way they live their lives. And my hope um, is that in years to come, that you know 2007 will also um, be revered because it was a year in which the first steps were taken, um, you know, to formalize the impact investing industry and change the way you know people think about the role of their capital uh, and its relationship to the world that they want to live in. There's an old saw about people overestimating change in the short term and underestimating change in the long term. I wonder whether you think uh, impact investing has grown, you know, faster, slower, or about at the same rate as you thought back then. Yeah, it's it, it's a great question, and I think um, when I thought back to those times, um, you know, it's interesting. We didn't know if the term impact investing would stick at all. Uh, and actually, the report I mentioned at the Modern Institute, um, you know, we were excited about the findings and we thought they were important, but we actually changed the title of the report to "Investing for Social and Environmental Impact," which may seem like a subtle thing because, but we just didn't know if the term impact investing was going to resonate with people the way we hoped it would. Um, now, for the gin, we obviously put it, you know, at the literally at the center of its name and at the core of the network. Um, and you know, we launched with just over 20 members in 2009, and uh, I was happy. We were all happy <laughs> with with having that many members. Uh, and we knew it was far from you know being everyone who was active at the time, but it was a you know it was a big step forward for this new organization. Um, and now you know we have over 250 members in 35 countries, uh, you know, on six continents. You know, and I also think that in many ways, um, this has captured the attention of people in ways that I couldn't um, you know, really have imagined. You know, I, I hoped for it, and it's gone in that sense better than I would have hoped for. Um, now, in terms of the um, uh, you know the actual capital committed, I mean, it, it's significant. Uh, you know, and um, you know, from our, our latest annual survey, um, the total assets under management of the the respondents, you know, the 209 investors who um, were kind enough to fill out the survey and share their data. You know, an aggregate was $114 billion. And um, now that's a lot of money from one perspective. Um, but if you think about the world's needs, yeah, we need it to be you know, vastly bigger. But when I think about the growth um, and if weather went faster, slower, the thing that has gone faster that I think is really important is, you know, the way it's starting to change people's perceptions, you know, which may sound intangible. Um, and as you know, the gin, we're very data driven. Um, so we, we love our numbers. Um, but I also think that you know, what impact investing has done is started to get people to question um, the way they view the role of their capital um, and also the way in which they um, you know, think about what they're supposed to be doing as investors. And I think as all those people whose minds are changing now actually move forward to kind of you know, put that into practice. You know, so it translates to real dollars going into real deals that have a real impact, um, then it's going to be pretty powerful. Um, but I do think we have a long ways to go, just to be clear. And, and uh, we certainly have our sights set on um, you know, where we need to go from here. 
Well, just to recap the the, the ten year anniversaries, there there are folks like um, Microvest, which provides capital for micro investing. Veris, which is a wealth manager, has a big practice in gender lens investing. The Cordis Foundation, the Halloran Foundation. There's probably a number of others who I'm sure will let us know that they also are having their ten year anniversaries. But really, you know, the key is really sort of the next ten years or or even beyond that. And do you think we'll take this as everybody always says from the margins to the main? stream will turn that uh, 114 billion into you know the i don't know 2.5 trillion some people say to achieve the per year to achieve the sustainable development goals i mean how do you you know what's what's next yeah um, well this is a really exciting time um and it's such a dynamic time in the market and one of the things that we thought about at the gin was that there there has been so much change Right. And, um, you know, there's, you know, strong growth in terms of the active impact investors and people are developing new products and doing new types of um, you know, new approaches. And we have governments of the world that are thinking about impact investing you know, on six continents. Um, you know, and and so there's all this, you know, all these new investors, um, you know, major financial institutions are entering the market uh, and, you know, large and small. And it's such an exciting and dynamic time. You know, we were actually reflecting on this about a year ago and thinking about um, you know how important it is to make sure that all these efforts add up to something that really helps us unlock the full potential of impact investing as a means of you know, building a sustainable world. You know, so there's a huge opportunity. And on the flip side, I actually think there's this big risk of you know, incoherence. Um, and one thing that was very powerful in the early days of, of the gin and right around when impact investing was coined was that it's um, – you know that the the Monitor report I mentioned, um, you know the Investing for Social and Environmental Impact report. Um, you know we used to refer to that as like a blueprint for the market, and a lot of organizations aligned their market building efforts around that. But now we have many more field building organizations, many more investors, uh, some more funders, and people who want to support the development of this market. And we think it's important for us to have a, a new collective vision for where this needs to go, um, and that's why we launched our, our roadmap project. And to give us a roadmap for the, for this next phase of the market, really looking at between now and 2030, just to line up with the SDGs. Um, one of the things with the roadmap project that I think is really critical is that we're trying to get input from as many people in the market as possible. Uh, and so we've consulted over 300 um, you know, different stakeholders uh, you know, through 15 focus groups. We've done 60 or so interviews. Um, and our, our hope is that we actually get the collective intelligence and perspective of the market you know, to get a sense for you know, where we've come, you know, where we've fallen short, um, and what it's going to take. Um, to really make sure um, that we maximize this opportunity with impact investing. From your early work on the on the roadmap, what are you what are emerging as the as a couple key, or three key questions? Well, I think one of the things that we um, you know I think this is going to be a phase of the market that's really about kind of synthesis and integration. You know, and and so when you think about you know all the different things that are are being developed out there, um, we're now trying to figure out how everything fits together. Uh, and that may sound conceptual, so let me you know, kind of you know, try to make it um, you know, much more tangible. You know, we now have a market, and if you just look at the GIN's membership, it embodies this. You know, that has early stage investors who are doing seed investments and in really exciting companies that um, you know, that are pre-revenue and have huge ambitions, all the way up to major institutional investors that are looking to um, you know, cut huge tickets um, into things that have a positive impact on the world. And I think this next phase for us is to figure out how that continuum of investors fits together 
you know, and in some cases it's sequentially, um, and you know how we get you know this continuum of capital uh, that's available for you know the entrepreneurs who are building high impact businesses. Also, we need to think about it from another perspective, which is you know what's the right role for the different types of investors relative to one another. You know, there's a messiness in the market that is part of a dynamic market information. We want to make sure that it ends up being a source of strength as the market grows and not a source of confusion or consternation. And so there's an important role to figure out how like those investors who have philanthropic sources of capital sit alongside those that are more commercially oriented. And so whether it's, you know, catalytic capital or blended finance or these different ways in which investors can um, you know, kind of plug their capital together you know, in ways where it makes the most of what they each have to offer, I think will unlock a lot of potential uh, in this next phase of the market. It does seem like there's sort of a hunger, as you say, for kind of making order out of this, you know, maybe creative but still chaotic period. And in fact, you know, there's probably two or three efforts, you know, to kind of try to put a wrapper around all of it. I know the Good Capital Project. I know the Global Steering Group for Impact Investing, um, probably others that you, you know as well. Is there a is there a risk of too many people trying to make sense and then somebody has to make sense of the folks who are trying to make sense? It's possible. <laughs> Anything's possible. I think we've got so many well-intentioned people trying to build this market. Um, I think that that is also a risk in terms of when I said integration and synthesis, it, it applies to that as well. Um, you know, we find that in, in the case of like impact measurement and management, you know, where there are so many new tools and resources available. You know, it's a, a huge development over the past you know, 10 years, even the last five years of all the different resources that are available to help you know, answer this critical question of how do we measure the impact um, and manage towards having a greater impact um, that we see part of the role of the GIN. And, um, and we're working with many other partners, including the World Economic Forum and others, to figure out how we actually start getting the market onto common ground where it's possible. Um, again, in the interest of you know, providing a streamlined approach that will really help the market scale and also you know, help make sure we do maximize our opportunity. Um, in terms of these other efforts that are out there trying to chart the course, I mean, I think you know, our view you know, for the GIN, and it should have been specific about, for the roadmap project, the idea is that this is supposed to provide um, you know, kind of you know, uh, you know, a guide to anyone out there who's trying to build this market. Um, so we'll publish it as a public good. Um, it'll obviously inform the gin strategy because we want to make sure we're as current and sharp as possible. Uh, but my hope is that you know all these funders who come to us saying they want to support the impact investing market and how they, do they do it, you know, that this can be a guide and a resource that helps us align efforts, helps us you know kind of foster collaboration and make sure that you know the the, the whole is much greater than the sum of the parts. I wonder if in some some sense that this will be kind of decided by the marketplace itself in the sense that as big wealth managers come into the market, as big institutional investors come into the market, um, as money flows in, you know, as you say, you know, 10 or 100 or 1,000 times the, the rate it does now, that those market players will sort of pick and choose their their own frameworks um, and not necessarily uh, be amenable to, you know, somebody else's idea. Is that a, is that a problem? I think it could be. I mean, it's definitely a risk, but I, I think I've, and, you know, there's been a lot of you know, kind of concern and speculation about, you know, what will happen as these big institutions enter the market. Uh, and, and I think on the one hand, there is risk involved with things like incoherence and potentially even impact dilution or whatever term you'd like to use. But I also think there's a big opportunity. And, and the way that I think about it is that if, 
we are looking at the, the size of the market today. Um, and then we're looking around at the world that's around us, you know, whether it's, you know, kind of, you know, the inequality and unrest that sits in local communities around the world or, or big global systemic issues like climate change. Um, and as we feel its effects land in local communities around the world, we've got to think really big and we need to think about how we steer these vast pools of capital, you know, into impact investments. So my hope is that we will actually play a critical role in shaping the next wave of impact investors. Um, and we recently launched an initiative focused on institutional investors, um, particularly on that segment, because they have you know, so much capital, but they also have naturally a long-term orientation, right? So if you think about a big pension fund, they need to pay people back a generation away. So they're thinking about the sustainability of the overall market. Um, and this concept of kind of a universal ownership where because they're so big and they have to think long term, they, you know, quote unquote, own the market um, in some one form or another. Um, and so they're exposed to all the risks that sit in the market. And, and I think that's a huge opportunity for us because I don't think you can think about the long term view and not think about impact. Because you have to think about the sustainability from a social standpoint. You have to think about sustainability from an environmental standpoint. And so you know, our hope is that we can engage some of these big institutions in a way that's truly additive and hopefully accelerates the development of the market. In that way, you you and, and everybody working in impact investing becomes kind of like a early research or research and development for a market uh, or an approach that will be uh, widely useful, as you say, as these risks and also opportunities come um, come to the fore in the next 10 years. That's right. And I think when impact investing was coined as a term, there were two meanings and most attention goes to the first one. Um, and that is you know, the, the definition that's on the GIN website, you know, defining investments that are made into you know, companies and products um, you know, with the intention of having a positive social and or environmental impact alongside a financial return. Right? And the world needs a lot more of that impact investing. But the second part of the meaning is that you know, the impact that we can have on investing. Um, and I think now we're at a point in this market where you know, we, we need to continue to grow the impact investments themselves and move more capital into them. But I also think we've got this exciting opportunity that you know, we can actually have an impact on how investing is done. Uh, maybe not everybody will become an impact investor, but I believe and I'm convinced that there are a lot of people out there who will become active as impact investors over time. And it's on us as a not just the GIN as an organization, you know, but the GIN as a network and this community more broadly to play that role, because I think the world is requiring it of us at this moment. Uh, I think that's great. Impact on investing and impact investing. Thank you, Amit Bori, the CEO of the Global Impact Investing Network. And uh, happy, happy 10-year birthday to Impact Investing. Well, thank you so much, David. Take care. Take care. Bye. So that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. Special thanks to our editor, Isaac Silk. This podcast has been a production of Impact Alpha. Be sure to sign up for Impact Alpha's newsletter, The Brief, providing daily news and actionable intelligence for the growing number of people working to build an inclusive, resilient, and sustainable future. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh. On behalf of David Bank, thanks for listening to this episode of Returns on Investment. We look forward to speaking again soon.